Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, we can't get fooled again. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here, hanging out with Fernando. Hey, Ben. And hanging out with Travis Irvine, who is currently teaching the youth in Ohio. Yes, Ben, I'm teaching the youngsters in Ohio how to make movies about killer stuffies and nothing else. That is fantastic. The kids that you teach are going to make tens of hundreds of dollars because of the unbelievable lessons that Travis Irvine will provide them. This is kind of a bonus episode. Last week's episode or earlier this week's episode was awesome. Thanks to Salim for coming on, talking all about uh, the Palestinian existence. What's life like in Palestine right now, especially under the Israeli occupation? We talk a lot about uh, the lives of those people suffering in that region and hopefully shed light on uh, on the story and give people the full context of what's happening over there in that part of uh, the world. So thank you all so much for listening to that episode. As I said, this is just kind of a little bonus episode. And then next week's episode or further on in this week. We're going to speak with someone who talks about puppy mills. So this episode is just fun. It's light, but it's also (laughs) talking about a bunch of scumbags who have a bunch of power. So it's not that light, but it will be fun. Good times all around. Sheldon Whitehouse. Have you guys heard about this story from Sheldon Whitehouse? He is a senator out of Rhode Island. His last name is Whitehouse. He will never be in said Whitehouse. Last week's episode, we talked about a dude named Larry Householder who was in the House of Representatives. So it seems like their last names are really indicative of what they want to be. When they grow up, and in this case, Mr. Whitehouse, he wants to be perhaps in the White House, a.k.a. his private beach club, which is evidently the (laughs) definition of a White House. It's all whites, no other races allowed. Not that any other races would want to go hang out with Sheldon Whitehouse at his White House with all of his white boring ass friends. But, you know, I'm beginning to think this might be uh, another indication of systemic racism in this country because I didn't know that little like golf resorts. I didn't know they were still segregated. But what the hell do I know? I'll call it white blindness. Apparently, uh, it's a long tradition, in Rhode Island. And there are, there are many of them, Ben. So we're the ones that aren't up on the times. Do you think if they did do this, this is the one thing with like McSorley's Ale House in the East Village. They didn't allow women in for a long time. 
And I think it was like since the until like the 1970s, maybe even the 80s, maybe the 90s and maybe even today. But then you walk in there and you're like, yeah, there's sawdust all over the floor. It smells like male farts. It looks disgusting. The beer is kind of not that good. Uh, it's a little bit, dare I say, uh, not exactly cold. It's kind of room temp. And then the question is, would any woman even want to be in here? But that being said, it's about equality and it's about access so even if no woman would want to go into mcsorley's they still need to be allowed to enter right. same thing goes for these all white golf resorts that i would never even want to step foot in because i can feel i can see the khakis i can feel the smoker's cough coming on i can just see my eyes glaze over as i stare at an old man's mole wondering when's the cancer gonna take him when's he gonna <laughs> die but that being said it also can't exclude every other race except for the white race, despite the fact that I don't think anyone wants to hang out with these douchebags. Leave it to Sheldon Whitehouse. His parents did him a solid by giving him that last name. And first name. Of course, a Sheldon is Sheldon. going to an all white. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> you know, uh, they're backing down on it, though. They're saying that it's a it's a family. It's a long tradition of being a family club that. They think that there's lots of diverse members, you know, that they're not this they're back. They're not they're not. Fun. They're pulling the diversity in mind conversation. Uh, <laughs> so it doesn't even matter. But it kind of does in this. We were thinking about it. It, it reminds me of when uh, George W. Bush and Rick Perry and, or any person who's ever been governor of Texas. I'm not sure if this place has wheelchair access for Abbott. But do you remember N word ranch? n-word oh, head oh, ranch that's right you me and marcus talked about that years and years, years ago. ago i remember that and they did the exact same excuse we're like it's just called that it's been called that for a long time when it comes to certain institutions especially this one especially when it's uh, being attended by a senator i just feel like just politically maybe if i'm one of his aides or his manager i would say skip the, the all-white party because it's not going to look good for a dude named Sheldon Whitehouse. You know, uh, according to Go Local, uh, the White House had promised to quit his membership in the club when he was running for Senate in 2006. Aww. But he actually just transferred his shares to his wife. Isn't that nice? His wife, Sandra Whitehouse. <laughs> she is one of the three largest shareholders in this club. So this isn't like a club where he just like, I dip my toe in. I go every now and again. It's kind of good for fundraising. Not that that would make it any better. This is a place where he has like a massive stake. His wife literally owns used to be him now his wife in oh. all white golf resort in 2021 it's so like ludicrously stupid that this man is a senator i know rhode island it's not exactly the most diverse state what do they think would happen if they took down the all white sign do they think that just a bunch of people uh would just start storming the golf community just be like we want to be here now we want to have those disgusting white russians that curdle our shit we want to smell like a disgusting uh. coffin at the end of a good day who wants to hang out with these people it's almost the audacity is almost so funny the Part of the audacity is the idea that they think they have to exclude other people as opposed to the reality that no one wants to fucking hang out with a bunch of dimwits at a Rhode Island golf resort. Absolutely. It's Caddyshack in real life. And every single state's got one of these where all the congressmen and all the billionaire douchebags hang out there. Good for Sheldon for making some real friends. Absolutely. So the club says the club has no such restrictive policy. There had been members of color. Uh, the senator has dedicated his entire career to promoting equality, uh, equity, and protecting civil rights, as his record shows. I'm not exactly sure if his record does show that. There's a lot of things that the Senate has not done. 
whatsoever when it comes to um, decreasing the massive effect of systemic racism in this country, specifically, as we always talk about on this show, when it comes to criminal justice Mm -hmm. reform. Sheldon's been there for a while, and it doesn't seem as if it's on the forefront of his mind. And perhaps that's because for a good time, he goes to places like this. And, you know, when any time someone has their own Al Bundy's no man, which was the Al Bundy group. It's a 1990s reference, married with children. What you see and what you hear from the outside is about as good as you're going to hear. Because can you imagine the things after the whiskey starts flowing, some of the sentiments that's expressed. And again, you have freedom of speech. You can say whatever you want. But when you're a policymaker, when you're a United States senator, I don't want the backroom meetings to take place in a uh, exclusive, racially exclusive golf club. I think that might be part of the problem, which is why when we watch the politicians and we hear them speak and you're like, have you ever talked to a human? None of this matters. And then they do all the superficial bullshit, you know, where they'll, they'll maybe put out a tweet with a proper hashtag or whatever. Mm-hmm. Whatever. This mm-hmm. is the problem is what happens in these places where Sheldon is just picking up what they're throwing down. And he is probably so privileged. He has no concept that what he's hearing is 100 percent bullshit. He really is an Al Bundy. It's like he, he it's is Al, Al, Bundy. Al Bundy worked at a woman's shoe store. This guy is a Democrat trying to defend equality as you know, as a fellow Democrat. But in reality, he's going home and doing the no man. He really is he, Al Bundy. He really is. Uh, so this is what they have to say as well. They say their parents, both of them and their children, summered at the ultra exclusive club and have access to socializing and building contacts with some of the wealthiest families whose ranks include multi-billionaires. Oh, I wonder why the policy created by these offices makes no effing sense to normal working class people anytime someone uses the term summered i immediately know mm, right like i'm gonna be nice to you right. but we're not friends like I, i'm not i'm not summering with you I, I don't winter i guess i wintered a lot in wisconsin <laughs> i hate the term summered i can't even imagine the notion of summering i've definitely falled with a lot of people Oh, very, <laughs> very clever. Uh, you know, uh, they're say, they asked a member. They asked a member of the club. I, they didn't do, release the name, but they asked about the club's diversity. And he said, Jewish? Yes. Blacks? Not really. Not really. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> Although I guarantee you, they would all be the first to tell you how many times they voted for Obama and how many times they love Tiger. They love Tiger Woods and they love Obama. Exa- yeah, they have grown grandchildren that are biracial, Ben. And <gasps> they've been to the club. Oh, there you go. So that proves everything is just fine as this senator, this Democrat. In this case, it's a Democrat, which is why it's so freaking frustrating. As uh, I was watching Paul Begala, of course, he worked with Bill Clinton and the Clintons extensively. He was on the Bill Maher show, which is (laughs) I don't know. I know people who write for it. So I'm just going to say whatever jokes they wrote, they were good. Everything else? Holy Mm. hell. Paul Begala is pretending he kept on referring to uh, the billionaire class. And he's like, we're not like them. And I'm like, the billionaires have just as much money within the Democratic Party as the the Republicans. As a matter of fact, you could argue perhaps they give more if you look at the Hillary Clinton uh, campaign outraising the Trump campaign and Trump actually taking like smaller donations from many more people of course uh, both uh, completely and utterly flawed candidates as we saw these past four years specifically under donnie but when you see stories like this it just reminds all of us that there is an other 
they live in the mm-hmm. other world mm-hmm. they live in another realm and the fact that this is so normalized where they're defending it because it's generational <sighs> the fact that they don't understand when we talk about like systemic issues in the country that also means it's generational <laughs> and this is just one of those things where I don't know. Maybe it's, just change it up a little bit. It's different. I'm just golfing. I don't. <laughs> I, I've been told that Sheldon Winehouse loves Tyler Perry movies. So I oh, he loves them. I absolutely loves him. You know, he's that's why the movie Get Out was so freaking perfect. Jordan Peele mm. just captured white elite liberalism like so freaking awesome. Uh. And they were so scary. <laughs> See, white people are scary, too. I don't think I'm breaking news with that. No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. All right, so that's Sheldon Whitehouse. I wish I had his phone number so I could give it out so we could make fun of him a little bit. As far as I'm concerned, the guy hasn't done anything to help anyone, as we've seen uh, with the Senate, which is uh, still unable to move any effective legislation when it comes to helping out the people who were so devastated uh, because of the COVID-2020 pandemic. Uh, and a bit of 2021 and around the world it's still going on mm. so it's still we're still in the midst of it but as we uh hopefully everyone gets vaccinated be safe stay healthy and uh, we will continue to open up this fine nation speaking of covid kind of another interesting story you know donald trump he throws a lot of stuff at the wall and sees if it sticks kind of that like guy, come he's pretty quiet and and uh, he's very succinct what are you talking about i don't know fernando apparently you've been watching the history tour with he and bill o'reilly which is going to be the single greatest thing that's ever happened to the stage i can almost hear the stage weeping <laughs> nonetheless so trump he considered sending covid infected american tourists to guantanamo bay because wouldn't that be nice i thought that trump was supposed to be against everything that george w bush did uh against everything that the cheneys did by the way again liz cheney still zero sympathy uh people talk about how she had to get a security detail and i'm like okay i don't know you're gonna be fine uh there's no love lost between us normal people and the cheney family and i don't care one of the only unintended benefits of trump being such an asshole is he also pissed off the cheneys but i guess that's what happens when you have kind of a buckshot shithead attitude you really do hit a lot of folks but trump reportedly considered sending covid infected american tourists to guantanamo this is based off of a new book that's coming out and this just shows you how unbelievably unprepared the trump administration was for this international pandemic which of course is why he had to deny its existence for political gain and i do think 
did it work? No, he did lose. But I also think he did gain some support with the COVID messaging from the Trump administration. Just basically, uh, my ears are closed. My eyes are closed. My mouth is wide open and screaming talking about COVID. That was his strategy, right? That was his play to be like, fuck it. No big deal. It's an emotional war. It's a psychological Mm -hmm. war, but it is also a very real war. I was just uh, on a little camping trip with a buddy of mine. I think I mentioned this. Uh, He's kind of a newer friend, or maybe now he's an enemy. I have no idea. I just met him this one time. I'll never see him again. But he got COVID and he's not allowed to eat steak anymore for the rest of his life. What do you mean? It messed with his intestines. Oh my gosh. Yeah, he can no longer eat steak. My friend Josh made some kick-ass beef jerky and I said, oh, you gotta try it. And he said, I'm sorry, I cannot, sir, because I had COVID and my intestines are ravaged and he'll never be able to eat red meat again. So perhaps the cows started COVID. But Trump, who had his, you know, his COVID, he's still hogging down the Big Macs, just Well, that's because he's in such great shape, asked Dr. Randy. So this is what Trump had to say. <laughs> and in order to uh, to read uh, Mr. Trump, we have our own Trump in person here. Travis Irvine is with us. Wow, I can't, what a great new role you have. <laughs> so let's just read what Donald Trump had to say with us here, of course, Donald Trump. So we have an island we own. What about Guantanamo? We import goods. We are not going to import a virus. <laughs> he is just such an unbelievable unhinged lunatic. He uh, he actually fought against the testing. I, I, I always forget about that. He wanted people to stop testing. He said, testing is killing me. I'm going to lose the election because of testing. <laughs> so there you go. Donald Trump wanted to send a United States tourists uh, to Guantanamo. But you know, I learned a thing or two from Harold and Kumar. Guantanamo can be fun. <laughs> Everyone goes. They all have COVID together. They eat I, like pancakes and stuff. Maybe Guantanamo in the future will just be a hipster resort. I could totally see it like Alcatraz now, which I still think is kind of conflicting. It's very. Hmm. It being a destination point because all the prisoners yeah. are like, one day this will be a museum where people honor our suffering and pain. And then people are just there be like, they shat in that. That's basically the extent <laughs> of understanding. Yeah. Come down to Alcatraz to get some brunch. Yes, exactly. So thank God we just have a slight, slightly better handle uh, on COVID and slightly better messaging. I understand the entire thing is a colossal pain in the ass. It doesn't look like Biden is going to hit his uh, 70 million uh, goal. I believe he did not do that. I don't think he's going to hit his July 4th goal. Again, there's a lot of communities that are not taking uh, the vaccine because of mistrust. And that actually kind of goes into what we were talking about last episode uh, when it comes to Israel and Palestine. I actually forgot to bring this up with uh, Salim, but uh, uh, Palestinians are rejecting about a million COVID vaccines from Israel. Right. And of course, this goes back to what we've been talking about. Uh, you know, when you beat a dog so much, they're not going to take a biscuit. And that seems to be what's going on here with Palestinians and Israel. And it's also what's going on domestically when it comes to minority groups who have been demonized, demeaned, uh, dehumanized by political uh, powers that be. They say, no, screw this shit, man. We've already had enough damage done to us. They don't trust. And so we're seeing the negativity or the negative ramifications, even further ramifications when it comes to power uh, misbalance, power unbalance, mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. it comes to people who who carry the stick and they scream. And if you dare respond, you're going to get hit and yelled at. 
it hurts people in so many different ways. And this is just another one of those ways where they haven't built enough trust up. So even if this vaccine, I'm just going to trust the Israeli vaccine that it's fine. It's just like ours. I'm going to trust that. Even that is not uh, not something that they can accept because they just don't trust the Israeli government in Palestine and people don't trust the United States when it comes to dispersing the vaccine as well. Big Pharma, we've been talking about it for a long time. I think Big Pharma needs to be held accountable for the uh, 65,000 opioid deaths every single year. They're just as bad as, uh, as Big Tobacco in so many ways. There is no accountability. People see that and then they're being told to take this vaccine that they created and ironically, despite the fact that vaccine might help them because of the horrific history, not even history, the horrific present uh, when it comes to big pharma, they just don't. And we're seeing it and we're seeing why, because we have a senator named Sheldon Whitehouse who goes to an all white <laughs> golf resort. We have Donald Trump, whose idea was to imprison people <laughs> and in Guantanamo Bay. It's just absolutely asinine. And that's another reason that we have to remind ourselves as a people, we've got to heal. Otherwise, this shit is just going to continue. And COVID, uh, it might be dispersing a little bit here as people get vaccinated, but it's going to stick around. The more distrust, uh, and that distrust comes from all walks of life as well. I mean, Alex Jones, he's mm-hmm. talking about the COVID vaccine. If you look at his merch page, it's full of shit that's going to kill you. <laughs> Alex Jones's merch page is literally like, do you have kidney stones? Do you want them? Tactical kidney stones. It is such horrible nonsense. And it breaks my heart that uh, the people, uh, you know, are living w- with that. Well, you know, uh, so I'm, I mean, how this guy, I wouldn't trust White House. This is a Democratic member of the government. And he's he's going through an all-white club. And, you know, uh, like what Dante talked about a few weeks back, mm-hmm. Dante West uh, from Last Prisoner Project. He talked about, why are you trying so hard to get me to take this vaccine? Remember, he talked yes. about, like, why are they incentivizing so bad? I, I mean, I understand. Obviously, we need everyone to get vaccinated. Yes. But I also see it from his point. Like, it's like Big Tobacco trying to sell me cigarettes. Why do you want, why do you want me to use your product that bad? Right. You know what I mean? I just, I really think about that as a person of color. I really think mm-hmm. about that as a, I guess, not main, you know. Yeah. It's understandable. Travis? Never forget that Ronald Reagan, before he was president, was the poster boy of Chesterfield cigarettes. They're smooth, they're flavorful, and they're Ronald Reagan's favorite, and it earned him a seat in the White House, unlike Sheldon Whitehouse. And what did Ronald Reagan do? He put Donald Rumsfeld in charge of the FDA to approve all kinds of stuff, trans fats, uh, 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 sugar replacements. These things later would cause people serious problems and cancers. So I get it. You know, I got my vax because all my friends and family are getting the vax, but um, I totally get complete and utter untrust of this government. Yeah, it is. uh, It's a fascinating, sad situation. And uh, again, we have to continue to build trust within our communities. And uh, and that requires, you know, getting rid of these gerrymandered districts, uh, getting rid of this horrific system that we have right now uh, when it comes to um, voting rights, when it comes to the recent changes in voting rights when it comes to people just so desperate trying not to get people to vote. It's almost the inverse, rather, of what you were talking about with like, why does Big Tobacco want me to smoke so bad? Why don't these people want me to vote so bad? Exactly. Something's going on there. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, speaking of prisons, speaking of detention centers, did you guys see what's happening in Texas now? Texas is just Governor Abbott, man. My little brother's out there, and Governor Abbott is just such a scumbag. So Texas has actually been emptying their prisons, and uh, they're preparing to detain immigrants. 
And uh, this is all part of a larger ramp up when it comes to uh, border control. So the ultimate point that I gather from this, uh, they're going to be out letting about a thousand people out uh, from the jails in Texas, from the prisons in Texas, and then they'll fill them, of course, with 11 immigrants. So one point that I gleaned from reading this article was any person will do as long as they are in prison. The prison system is fine. This is almost the exact. This is like watching in real time uh, African-Americans, for example, or Latino Americans being seen as like, okay, you guys are horrible. You are just going to be incarcerated, but we've got immigrants because as we've talked about on this show before, the number one privilege is citizenship. So for these 1000 people that are going to be left out of jail, first of all, if you can just let them out, why are they there? If they if they exactly. risk if they don't risk a public if there's no public risk then why are they there? So it almost seems as if the prison system doesn't doesn't care what buttholes or mouths or ears are in those cages as long as they're full. And again, the main privilege that we have in this country is citizenship. And so for me, I'm reading this and it just confirms all of our thoughts on the prison system isn't there to keep us safe. The prison system is there to make billions and billions of dollars for Sheldon Whitehouse's friends at his Rhode Island golf resort. It is just so obvious that anyone will do as long as they're still full, we can release you. It drives me absolutely insane. If you are not a danger to society, you should not be incarcerated. If you committed tax fraud, pay it back. I get it. Community service, things like that. But if you are not a danger to society, what are you doing there? And it's obvious that these people are not because this is one of the most conservative governors in America opening up the prison doors like he's freaking Michael Dukakis. And all of a sudden, ah, just get on out of here. And if you're a prisoner, this is all it took. This is all that had to happen was, oh, I didn't realize it was just a numbers game and someone could just replace me. This is nice. At least I get to go. But of course, sadly, it's because others will suffer in their place. The shocking thing to me is that these people are basically being denied due process. Absolutely. There's zero due process. The temperatures uh, are, about, are going to be about 100 degrees. And uh, it's Texas, obviously. It, it's Texas. Uh, this is according to Texas Department of Criminal Justice spokesperson Jeremy Dizel. This is what they had to say. They said the state of Texas continues to deal with a record high influx of individuals illegally crossing the border. To address the ongoing crisis, Governor Abbott is directing state resources to arrest and confine those individuals crossing the border unlawfully and who have committed a state or federal crime. Now, of course, them being here illegally is by definition a crime. It's almost like when an officer comes up to you and is like, hey, man, we're going to detain you. And then you're like, I didn't do anything wrong. They're like, you just resisted arrest. And then they make up a crime out of nowhere, which is resisting arrest. That's exactly what's happening in many ways here where they are just letting people out because they no longer have a need for them economically. And now they have a new group of people that they can just profit from, bilk for money, and, uh, you know, make money off of human suffering, uh, much like the movie Monsters, Inc., but a heck of a lot less cute than Scully. He's really overstepping his bounds here because Absolutely. states don't even set immigration laws. The this is These are laws that are set federally. So is he going to circumvent federal laws? You know, is he going to circumvent UN laws like Title 42? You know, accepting refugees. They, what they do is see you in court. They do it, and then they say, we'll see you in court. By the time, if it even does get heard, we're going to talk about a Supreme Court case here in a second when it comes to the NCAA, because I think it ties into everything uh, when it comes to humanization and, uh, and you know, the lesser than. Um, but that's really it. See you in court. And then 20 years later, it goes to court. Everyone's out of office. Nothing changes. 
and right. nobody cares. Don't put does it kick the can down the road. <laughs> exactly. So they just do it and again have the legal team. Uh, the story of Donald Trump, who basically lived in court. It was his favorite pastime, evidently. And we'll see what happens. We'll keep you up to date on all the Trump stuff as well. I'll just I'm going to believe it when I see it. So I'm not going to go full Rachel Maddow and talk about the, the storm is coming. It's like, I'll see it when I believe it. My I'll pillow, believe it when I see it. My pillow guy says August, Ben. Sure. And I always trust the my pillow guy. <laughs> I always trust uh, people who make a living selling things that people come on. Okay. Uh, Governor Abbott also, he has, he has $250 million in funds to uh, build the border wall. And uh, I'll tell you one thing, my little bro out there is slightly special needs. And uh, Wisconsin had a great program called Badger Care. It was very good. Uh, Texas has nothing like that. And again, it's about allocation of funds. I don't think we need to spend $250 million on a border wall. Also, I'll believe it when I see it. I think there's a lot of people kind of pulling a Lincoln project like grift who are just going to, it'll be fascinating to follow that money. So I think it's going to go into the pockets of somebody uh, and it will not go to building a border wall because of course, as we know, Joe Biden, he's building a cyber wall, which is even bigger and badder and better. Uh, But people who like tangible things are going to be kind of sad. I'm watching this documentary right now on Al Jazeera where they're doing a mile by mile walk of the border wall. You know, starting from yeah. How is it going? Uh, you can imagine it's a whole lot of nothing. A whole lot of nothing. <laughs> there ain't crap there, you know. So, Jesus, this is what Abbott had to say regarding filling the jails up. He says we need to staff those jail beds as well as others that may come up. There's so much money on the line, and you know what's so funny to me? These people who consider themselves small government, people who are pissed mm-hmm. off at Biden for uh, you know increasing the federal government, creating jobs at the federal government level. This is all just a government jobs program. (laughs) This is all this is, is just Abbott bragging about a local government jobs program, which, of course, relies on incarcerated people. It it taps into what we were talking about with Salim. I mean, conservatives and Republicans are perfectly happy to spend all kinds of taxpayer dollars when it comes to wars overseas. Lindsey Graham, Ham and Biscuit Skull, has always said that he wanted more money for the Pentagon. Hmm. So when it comes to incarcerating people, when it comes to keeping people out, when it comes to big government keeping down people who don't belong at the golf course with Sheldon (laughs) Wayne. Exactly. Unless they're there to work, and in which case they will also just probably work for the day and then get arrested that next day. And they'll be like, that's okay. We got some more coming in. Uh, Unbelievable. (laughs) You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. All right. Well, speaking of work, this is going to be one of our final stories here. 
and this is a story that's near and dear to my heart. We've talked about the NCAA corporate model, multi-billion mm-hmm. dollar, air quotes, nonprofit, <laughs> which is insane, built on the backs of these student athletes. And I say student uh, in air quotes, but they're definitely athletes. Many of these scholarships are not guaranteed for these student athletes. Uh, so if they're injured playing the game that, that got them there, they're just gone, kicked to the curb, almost as if the NCAA has actual zero concern for their own mental well-being, for their own um, future success. They don't really give a shit as soon as you're done playing football, basketball, whatever it might be, making millions and millions of dollars for the school. See ya, goodbye. So the Supreme Court, has just sided with the athletes when it comes to the NCAA's current business model. Uh, Justice Neil Gorsuch wrote the court's opinion, which upheld the district court's judge's decision that the NCAA was violating antitrust law by placing limits on the education-related benefits that schools can provide to athletes. Also, don't forget, if you're an athlete, you... Well, I believe they have changed this now where you can make money off of your likeness. You couldn't. You could not for a long time. This just changed, I believe, within the past 12, 15 months. They had NCAA football games, which is probably the greatest football game ever. And they had the number of the person. He looked just like that person. But it was it was they made it up. It was like Joe Montano instead of Joe Montana. Uh. It's unbelievable that they've been allowed to get away with this for so long without the very basic benefits of guaranteed scholarships. Uh, if you're going to, uh, you know, offer education as a big prize, you better follow through with that. I don't care if it takes them seven years to freaking graduate. Right. I don't care if they want to go on to mat. You should cover the entire thing. You have so much freaking money. You need to let these people make money off of their own likeness, make money off of who they are, and stop treating them like like criminals. And you wonder if football and basketball was a majority white sport, you wonder what would be happening with this situation. So the decision allows schools to provide their athletes with unlimited compensation as long as it is some way connected to their education. So Gorsuch wrote that the nation's highest court limited the scope of its decision on those education-related benefits rather than delving further into the questions about the association's business model. Kavanaugh also concurred with the opinion. Um, So this was, uh, this is what Kavanaugh said, he said, the NCAA is not above the law. And I'm sure he did that hammered. (laughs) And I like beer. And I like beer. Um, The NCAA couches its arguments for not paying student athletes in innocuous labels, but the labels cannot disguise the reality. The NCAA's business model would be flatly illegal in almost all other Mm -hmm. industries in America. This has been going on for 115 years. So again, when we talk about the the segregated golf courses all the way to today, systemic problems within this country that need to be addressed. And I'm happy to see that they are being addressed, uh, specifically in this NCAA athletic case. This is crazy to me because uh, the way it was before this change is all they could help them out with was with tuition and that's it. And they didn't even have to do that. And they didn't even have to. Now they can buy them computers. They can buy them like they can pay for dorms, things like that. How were they not doing this for these athletes? Dude, I've watched a lot of documentaries on the student athlete. And I know there's, we always hear the bad stories, but you know, I didn't have the work ethic to do it. These kids wake up at 4.30 in the morning, they go to practice, they come back home, they take a shower, they go to school. How are you supposed to stay awake? I couldn't stay awake and I didn't go to practice. Uh, (laughs) Then they go back to practice, so on and so forth. Three bullshit meals a day. Um, All of the money that is going in, you know, it goes to like these really elaborate locker rooms 
But at the end of the day, just give me something. Yeah, it should go to them. I don't them. care. It exactly. Should go to them, not the school and not the NCAA. So this was a 9-0 to decision. According to Jeffrey Kessler, he is the lead plaintiff's attorney. He says it's tremendous to win this 9 to nothing. Hopefully it'll be a major next step on the road to a fair competitive system for these athletes. Because let's also be honest. This is a professional sport. The vast majority of people that play in college, that's going to be it for them. Mm-hmm. Very few of them go on to, you know, top tier professional sports, NBA, NFL, so on and so forth. So this is oftentimes the peak of these people's athletic careers. And I, they just need to be compensated. And I can't believe the NCAA has lied to us with a straight face for 115 years and people have defended them forever. And it's like, no, just you can't work people half to death. People have died uh, and then expect them to just be grateful for the sociology class. The NCAA was really trying to have its cake, uh, eat its cake and have it by enema too, because, you know, it was saying uh, (laughs) it largely defended this principle by saying that students should play the sports as amateurs. But you're, exactly. yeah. you're selling beer. You have beyond beer. You have more marketing than you have the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl for crying out loud. And none of these, none of these athletes are amateurs. Let's, let's be honest. If no. you're at college, like you said, if they're at college level, these are professionals. We should treat them and compensate them as such. I agree. Travis. And good for uh, Justice Gorsuch and, and Brett Kavanaugh for stepping up. You know, I know a lot of people are very uh, cynical when some of these conservatives got on the Supreme Court. Of but course. It looks like Brett Kavanaugh on his calendar. It looks like he had drink beer, not rape, and then and a 115 year wrong. So good for him. All right. Well, we have to uh, give credit where credit is due, I suppose. And again, it was a nine to zero decision. So uh, I think that's a good thing. Senator Chris Murphy, he's a Democrat out of Connecticut. I actually like Chris Murphy. I think he's doing some good things. Uh, He says today's Supreme Court ruling highlights just how much the tide is turning against the NCAA and its unfair treatment of college athletes. Uh, He goes on to say the status quo on amateurism is finally changing and the NCAA no longer has carte blanche to control athletes' livelihoods and and monopolize the market. This is the kind of justice and basic rights college athletes deserve so uh, that's good news when it comes to slowly trying to brick by brick get rid of these horrific horrific policies that were so normalized that people didn't even bat an eye and this will actually help the ncaa too in the long run because i know some people who don't watch it because of this exact reason Uh, katie dirks katie dirks i also know some people who are like i like it because they don't get paid i'm like are you a sadist (sighs) like what is wrong with you just because you don't get paid because you don't i don't know what's wrong with you but uh, this is a step in the right direction and again when we look at the people who play these sports and you look at the demographic of those people they have been again hurt uh, immensely by the war on drugs separated families and uh, and again this is a bipartisan issue if you look at nina simone's granddaughter uh, she is talking uh. recently about how kamala harris split up their family when she was the ag from 2011 to 2017 uh, in california she split up their family uh, because of arrests and uh, detentions and uh, the war on poverty is a bizarre one because it costs a hell of a lot more to detain them than it does to help them it's a it's a multi-angled issue but any hoot, I digress. And just lastly here, uh, it, this is kind of a cool story. I mean, you know me, I don't, I'm not like, I don't, 
Pride Month, Coca-Cola being like, we love gay people. And it's like, I think you financed a lot of gay people dying. Yeah. Um, and then when all, like Target is like, we, it's like, all right, I get it. Thank you for, thank you, Target. I know thank you don't you, love Walmart. me. I know well, you don't love me. I know, exactly. It's like, <laughs> thank you, Walmart. Also, can I get that Daryl Worley American collection? Walmart, the place that doesn't sell birth control. Thank you so much. Thank mm. you for all of that support. But this story I do think matters. Uh, Las Vegas Raiders defensive end Carl Nassib. He is the first openly gay man. Um, although there was another openly gay man who's an offensive lineman who played for the Miami Dolphins. But Nassib, actually, he's just he's probably the only openly gay. He's really good. The other guy wasn't that good. <laughs> so people were like, OK, well, <laughs> it's the, all good. That was the openly gay. Was it Patriots guys that Sam, was recruited? Some, I think his last name was Sam, but then he wasn't very good either. Right. So Carl Nassib is the first one where he's like, I'm a starter. I'm a hoss. I'll kick the fuck out of you. Uh, and then he also came out as openly gay. And of course, this is just the first of, of many people, because if, if you don't think the NFL isn't full of just as many, it's just a, it's a sample of America. Exactly. So there are many, many gay people. And. I can't wait to see the taunts uh, from the gay people. That'll be fun. What's important to me is that he is currently playing football. Yes. He's currently on television. He's like you said, he is in the game. And so he's he's coming out now. And so as a say, I was a little kid. You know, this would Absolutely. mean a lot to me. Absolutely. A current football player. There is gay people in football. You know, this would, uh, it, uh, uh, I'm so, so proud as an American to be seeing yeah. this. I really am. And how many kids who were gay just said, oh, fuck it. I'm not going to play football. Even if they would have, perhaps they would have been fantastic. Amazing players, right? But now they are going to play because, hopefully, hopefully because they have a, someone to look up to. And historical uh, fact on Major League Soccer, the first openly gay soccer player in America who came out was Robbie Rogers of the Columbus Crew, Woo! my hometown soccer team. He did not come out until later, till he was on the LA Galaxy. So, you know, that's a win for uh, all the cities that yeah. we live in and uh, and a win for LGBT people who play soccer. Robbie really led that charge there. Representation, man. And it just shows you the stereotypes are not true. And uh, that's why Carl Nassib is so important. This is what he had to say on a post uh, that he put on Instagram. He says, what's up, people? I'm at my house in Westchester, Pennsylvania. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say that I'm gay. I've been meaning to do this for a while now, but finally feel comfortable getting this off my chest. I really have the best life, the best family, friends, and the best job a guy can ask for. I'm a pretty private person, so I hope you guys know that I'm not doing this for attention. I just think that representation and visibility are so important. I, I actually hope that one day videos like this uh, and the whole coming out process are not necessary. Uh, he also donated to the Trevor Project $100,000. He says it's an incredible organization. They're the number one suicide prevention service for LGBTQ youth in America, the Trevor Project. We should have somebody on from there uh, at some point. So he's a 28-year-old man. He got 25 million bucks, and um, he's living his best life. And again, uh, yeah, Michael Sam was the, uh, was the other openly gay player, but uh, again, he just wasn't very good. That's so, it matters. It matters a little bit. <laughs> you do. It's still sports. People still like they still like winners, no matter what. Um, anyway, no shame. No shame. Michael. No, no shame at all. I don't care if you're you're just going to have to perform on the I'm drinking at a bar and I'm going to need my teams to perform. Right. OK, so anyway, that's also, I think, an uplifting story because we have to remember representation matters and it's 2021 and we're still, uh, you know, we're we're just trying to make this shit better. I might watch we can. some humans cause, now, you know? Yeah, sure. Humans cause most of the problems, so humans can fix it. Yeah, we definitely can. We'll see if Sheldon Whitehouse lets him into the golf club. Oh, I think that he will. Probably, I can't even imagine. Um, he is white. What happened? He is white. He is white. You know, so, he is white, so, although, well, see, yeah. <laughs> anyway, anyway, 
I have a feeling Sheldon Whitehouse has a few. I'm sure there's a a couple of things going on there. Ham and biscuits, you all. God knows. What a bunch of maniacs. Anywho, those are our leaders for now. Until we vote them all out. That'll be cool. Uh, also, next week, or later on this week, I want to talk about what's going on in New York. Because have you been following Andrew Yang on Instagram? Mm. What is happening, Travis? Mm -mm. Can you go manage his campaign? I mean, you got me 1.8%, but I'll take it because at least I wasn't embarrassed. <laughs> I was just happy that we had a better campaign than Anthony Weiner. I think you and I, we both, that was our bar. And the Wien. We were like, we cleared that bar. We cleared our primary, right, on like Weiner. No, Yang's in trouble. Uh, I'm very excited. I think you said we're going to have Marcus Parks on at some point to talk New York politics. Um, obviously, we've known Curtis Sliwa for a long time. You've had Andrew Yang on. Um, but it looks like, I mean, Maya Wiley is coming up. There's all kinds of things. You happening. know, it's just classic New York politics. I was asked by Travis Morningstar uh, if I would be upset if Eric Adams won. And I said, absolutely not, because it's nothing. There's nothing wrong with losing to a winner. It would be worse if he lost again. And then I'm losing right. to a loser. Then I'm a double loser. <laughs> At least I'll lose to a winner. Yeah. You're like the team in the playoffs that loses to the team that eventually wins. That's so why I'm, I'm kind of rooting for the Hawks. I mean, I have to root for the Bucks. I am a Knicks fan, but I understand. I also have to root for the Bucks, Milwaukee. I am so proud of them. But if Atlanta does win, I'll be like, well, they beat the Knicks. So obviously they were like super good. Like there's no <laughs> way they were like, of course, they were like the best of the best of the best. Anywho. Well, thank you all so much for listening to this little bonus episode this week. And we hope you're doing well out there. Send in love to everyone. Travis, Travis, go continue to teach the children. And uh, I'm sure you're doing a fantastic job. I'm, you got a good soul. So I'm sure the kids love you. Maybe they do they grab your beard and stuff. Yeah, these kids keep calling me Santa Claus and pulling my beard. I'm like, please, it's real. And I'm not Santa. <laughs> you don't really know the kids. All right, everyone. Thank you all so much for listening. Hail yourselves. We'll talk to you soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.